welcome to Booking Back Podcast, where we stroll down memory lane and revisit the books of our childhood, what they meant to us, and how they've affected us today. While we, your co-hosts, are millennials, the nostalgia of childhood never ages. Join us as we travel back in time. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Booking Back. I'm your co-host, Penn, here with Joy. Hello, everyone. And this week, we will be talking about the Polar Express. Before we get into all of that, how was your week? Very busy. Same. Glad it was. it's the weekend, but today was also busy, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> today was a lay in bed and i will not move kind of day my coworker has been out all week so i have to cover her work and my work the assistants that we have are from not from our office so things are done like differently every day because they just don't know and mm-hmm. it's it's been very frustrating and covid is picking up and people are upset at the mere mention of covid but uh it's not my fault i didn't invent it <laughs> I am just here to test and treat. There are people who have a lot of feelings about it still. And I would think in this day and age that they would have gotten over themselves, but tragically not. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think it's going to be a lay in bed and Mm. out type of day. It's Um, great. Yeah. It's going to be, I think it's going to rain tomorrow. So that's probably what's going to happen. I was going to go to a silent book club. What the Uh, heck is that? A silent book club meeting. So they have them, uh, you, you can Google it, everybody. They have them in all different locations. Basically, you bring your own book. They hold them at a location. So like this one is actually at a bookshop, a used bookshop. And you bring your book and you get kind of like settled in and you literally read by yourself <laughs> or, you know, quietly for, I think it's like 45 minutes or something like that. And then the last like 15 you can either leave or you can discuss with other people, find out what they're reading. So it's very much like a book club for introverts. Mm. Um, and I thought I'd test it out because I've never been. Yeah, and... you're going to have to let us know. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I'm going to make it because it is a little bit of a drive for me. And if it's raining, I really hate to drive. But yeah, I hate to get out of bed when it's raining yeah. and, and the weekend. I have the option not to, you know. But if I don't, <laughs> I will be able to take part in silent book club where i'm moving to so i know that they have it every month interesting you know what it kind of reminds me of silent study hall i never had study hall really it's great it was great (laughs) i love study hall yeah i never had it i was always like what are they doing in there i guess study or something you can do your homework sometimes they would have a movie you could go to the library. I loved study hall. I love study hall. And if I had a lunch period, I would go to the library for my lunch period. Like a true nerd. That's a good plan, though. I don't know. I still have fond memories thinking about like my high school library. I can like picture it in my mind. I think they've renovated everything probably since I've left. So I don't know if, if it even still looks the same. I can just still just imagine like walking through the shelves and looking at books and stuff. I just, yeah. The librarians were super mean though. I mean, they were not happy that we were there. (laughs) It was kind of those, like one of those adults who works at a school that hates children, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I don't remember really going to the library at the high school too often. The thing I remember is almost the off limit, like rule of the library in that it sat. So our school was like on like kind of one block and it was like I think four floors high and the library kind of sat in the middle of where what let's say it was on the third floor I don't remember 
but it was like in the middle. So you could cut through the library to get to the other side of that floor, but you weren't supposed to do that. So it was like, don't cut through the library. But sometimes you really needed to because you might have had to like go upstairs and cut across and come back down. And so I just always remember the library was like a barrier from between me and where I needed to go. But sometimes I would go in there and, um, you know, look around. But I feel like when I was in high school, like I never got to take like, you know, home ec or any of those kind of classes. I was in like the college prep. So I feel like I was go, go, go all the time. And I never got to like, just go in there and like hang out. I was always doing that. <laughs> like I vaguely remember the librarians, but not really. I went to the local library. That's where I would go if I needed stuff. Yeah. I mean, my sister and I would love to go to the local library as well especially during the summertime, because, you know, we had these huge stretches of time that we could read. They had a huge, huge Nancy Drew collection. They had like all 500 of them. I know they're not 500, but a lot of them. And we would like read through those. And there was this uh, historical fiction section for teens. And we were too young probably to be reading those, but we did. And again, the library has changed. They've made it more into like a coffee shop now, which cringe with me. I love coffee shops, but I want my library to look like a library. (laughs) So it's very, very different than what I remember. So I guess I'm nostalgic when it comes to libraries because I think they've changed so much from what they used to look like. When my last year of college, my school started a law school. And they deemed that the third floor of the library was going to be the law library and nobody else was allowed up there, only law students. So it sucked because that library, that floor of the library was awesome. Like it was really, you know, well put together. The rest of the library looked like it came from the 70s, like they had not renovated it at all. So our student body had to sit in in the library on the third floor to be like, we deserve the right to blah, blah, blah. So it just makes me laugh because... I ended up just skipping that my college library and going to the the library at the college next door. So Penn was next door to us, which is an Ivy League school, so it's very rich and fancy. But they had a quiet room in that library. Oh, it was fantastic. You would go in the quiet room and read and be undisturbed. And then they also had like these rows of like desks kind of, but they had high walls so you could cloister yourself a little bit. Uh-huh. In, in between the shelves and I loved it and the pen library has a huge button sculpture in the front and a courtyard with a lot of squirrels and benches mm-hmm. it was nice <laughs> I like the library here where I live they do have rooms that you can like reserve and I thought about just like for a change of pace like reserving one one day just to work from because I can you know work from wherever and they're you know they're all like glass windows but they're like these cute little quiet rooms and um I like if I can, checking out libraries in new places, because they're all so different. Mm. And I know earlier this year, when I went back home, when my mom was sick, we thought maybe she might want to listen to like some audiobooks when she was in, in the nursing home. So I got to go back to the library and I hadn't been there in years, probably 15 years or so. And it literally did not look that different. And I <laughs> loved, it. but overall, it's still like, you know, it smelled the same. It kind of looked the same. It was so nice to go in there and just be like, I remember coming in here when I was yeah. or like we didn't have a computer in our house. So I'd have to like go to the library and like use the computers for as long as you were allowed, you know, like an hour at a time. I was like, oh, I love how it's like unchanged, but it's probably not great for people. But <laughs> it still was just like that cozy space. And the people were like super nice. I have to say, I'm not sure that I've been in a library and had like a poor experience with librarians, but 
Well, the library, so I've always loved librarians, but I don't know what was going on up at the high school. But one day I printed something out for my AP United States history class. Okay. It was not like I was printing out Pokemon cards or something like it was for school and the library. And I printed out 30 copies because I needed one for each member of our class. And our librarian was fucking furious. She's like, you have to pay for this. Like you. And so she made me pay for it. And I was livid. And I went to my APUS teacher and I was like, listen, this is not right. I'm a student here. And I printed this for school and she made me pay for this. And he was just like, like, I'll just pay you back for it. I'm like, that no, it's the principle of the thing. Just going off about this moment because she really did like yell at me. And I was like, what lady don't you know that I'm here every day like I'm your best customer if anything if anything that would entitle me I think to 30 free copies of a a single piece of paper it's not like they were you know six pages to each print job it was it was 30 of one piece of paper and And it just had pictures on it it just had words so it wasn't using that much ink make copies and it was for school you know this is the injustice of it years later (laughs) still rankles me (laughs) It's probably like two dollars or something to print. Unfortunately, I guess I must have had like money on my person back then because now I'm thinking about it. I was like, if the library detained me at the library now and was like, you need to give me two dollars, I would be like, can I Venmo you? Like, <laughs> there would be no cash on hand for that venture. Someone would have to come put money on your books. <laughs> I mean, I still have the copy of what is it called? A, ta- a ballad of songbirds and oh, yeah. It's been a year, more than a year at this point that I haven't had it. So the library that I went to, that was the first time I visited it. I was looking for a copy of Carrie by Stephen King. Couldn't find it anywhere. And that was like what drove me to the library. They didn't have it either. But while I was there, I was like, oh, look at this book. I heard about this. And I grabbed it. And then I've never been back since because it's a little bit out of my way. But I keep like looking at the book being like, I really should return this. I really should return this. And hopefully I will do it. You know, this is what happens when a good kid who loves a library goes bad. All it takes is one librarian 20 years ago to, no, just kidding. <laughs> I wonder if they don't um, listen to the podcast, we'll be knocking on your door, be like, we're going to need that book back. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never find me. <laughs> All right. Well, today we are going to be talking about The Polar Express by Chris Van Alsberg. Now, have you heard of this book? I did. And uh, in normal fashion, it wasn't part of what I ever read growing up. So I read it today and it was fabulous. You liked it. Yeah. I knew of the movie just because when the movie came out, it was just the way it was like, you know, filmed and all of that was pretty, uh, I think it was a little cutting edge at the time, but yes. Um, so that's what I, I knew of, which I'm sure we'll talk about the movie later, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't read it for whatever reason. I don't know. I had this book read to me by our elementary school librarian because we would have, you know, we'd have those like special classes and one would be library. And so like for a couple of minutes, they would, she would read a, a story to us. And this was one that she read to us. And then we got to like be turned loose and pick out the book that we wanted. Uh-huh. I, I remember her voice reading it. It's kind of crazy. But the other thing is she was a huge person who liked the books that had won Caldecott medals and the Polar Express is one. And we've talked about Newbery Award winner books, but the Caldecott medal is for children's book with illustrations. Usually it's, I think, a, a, a younger collection of books for, for kids younger. And so the Polar Express won that one. In 1986. That's interesting. I didn't know that about Caldecott, but I remember seeing that like 
sticker on a yes. lot of the books growing a up. A gold medal. This book yes. is a gold medal. Yeah, it's like when it had that, it's like, you know, this is going to be a good book. <laughs> sticker. They had good taste. I mean, they weren't wrong, right? Yeah. So uh, it has been probably 25 years since I have read the Polar Express. So I pulled it up. Well, actually, this is a funny story. I went home to where my sister and my parents live last weekend. And I walked through the door and I saw the Polar Express sitting on the dining room table. And I was like, oh, my God, thank God. Can I borrow this? And my sister was just like, oh, I bought it for you. Oh, I was like, oh my god, how did you? And she was like, well, I saw you guys were covering it, so I thought that yeah, you know, maybe you'd like it. And she actually thought I would tell her to return it because she thought I already owned it, but I don't. So I was like, oh, this is perfect timing. Like, I don't have to find it online. I don't have to find Keith Morrison reading it. You know, like it is right here in the flesh, and it's a perfect one to have in person. I think because of the pictures, the illustrations. So. It, and it came with a free Christmas ornament that says the Polar Express. It's like a, it's a flimsy little metal thing, but it's nice. And it says all aboard on it, the Polar Express all aboard on it. And I like a picture of a train and you can get a free download of Liam Neeson reading the story to you, which wow. I will be taking advantage of because Liam Neeson has a pleasant voice. Yes. It's so sweet. I know. Right. I was like very taken aback. I was like the perfect. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, listeners, you know, we we post in advance if anyone wants to like, you know, gift yeah. <laughs> beautiful book gifts. <laughs> We're open. And then we'll have like 12 copies of, I don't know, Mr. Popper's Penguins. But then we could like run around town and give them in those like little small free libraries. Yeah. Oh my God. So this place where I started writing it, horseback riding, right next to it, there's the cutest little library i forget what do you call them the i don't know if they're banned books but they're just like books that you can take one give one yeah the free little libraries free little libraries i'm gonna have to take a picture of it and find a book that i have that i can give because there are some books i have multiple copies of and i'm willing to donate where was i going with this i don't know i guess that's our theme like libraries in the polar express yeah the giving it's the giving of the books oh perfect christmas all year round yeah (laughs) Well, you know, somebody has said something about libraries that really resonated to me. Like libraries are a place where you can hang out where you don't really have to spend any money unless the yeah. librarian, unless the librarian catches you printing something. Yeah. <laughs> and or she, if you decide oh. to return that book after a year. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm happy to pay the fine. I deserve it. You know, <laughs> that one is warranted, at least. There is justice <laughs> in that one. The Polar Express starts out and I'm going to, I'm going to open it and look along with it and I would say the illustrations are really beautiful, like just very vivid. Mm -hmm. And it's so impressive to me that somebody wrote the story and illustrated the book. Like what a duo, you know, what talent to be able to do both. But I love that when it's, it's opening up on Christmas Eve and this unnamed narrator is laying in bed, just listening. And he is listening for Santa Slay. Something his friend told him you'd never hear it because there is no Santa. But of course, this boy still believes. Instead of hearing bells, he hears the sound of a train. And he looks out the window and sees a train right in front of his house. And on this first page, there's like this adorable picture of a sock puppet of a dog. I forget what those kinds of dogs are called. An Airedale, maybe? It's like got a big old nose. It almost looks like a shark. 
Yes, I think so. I think those have like the little beard almost. Yeah, I mean, I think they look like a cartoon, like in real life, like a, a cartoon come to life. So that's why I'm always just, and of course, you know, I'm dog crazy. So I'm like, ah, a dog. Yeah, it's a cute dog either way. <laughs> a conductor comes out of the train and he takes a large watch from his vest. The kid puts his robe and slippers on. Side note, who has robes and slippers nowadays? Do you? I never, I've never liked robes. I do have slippers, though. I always, in my house growing up, you always need to have on your house shoes, as my dad would call it. So I've always had multiple pairs of slippers. So it's opposite for me. <laughs> I have many, many robes. And I have slippers, but I never wear them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I will once it starts getting colder. But I was never really a shoe person. But my robe, it's so funny. So like when I was working my first real job at the hospital when I would come home I'm just like I can't you know do anything so I just like get out of my clothes and get into my robe and my neighbor who was was also my coworker, was just like are you wearing that Hugh Hefner robe again because I had one made out of velvet it was like a red velvet robe that I would wear and like she was my neighbor so she'd knock on my door if she was bored or something be like hey you want to hang out and I would be wearing this robe and she'd be like where do you get that from <laughs> you dramatic room <laughs> and I was like, no I picked it out myself uh a gentleman named Oscar de la Renta made it thank you very much and I got it on sale off of Amazon I actually have a robe similar to uh what the little boy is like um it's like one of those blue robes with the white striping oh yes neckline but I totally got it at Goodwill like well I have some cloth ones too I have a cloth plaid one that I usually wear around Christmas time Mm-hmm. And then I have um, like one covered in flowers for the spring. And then I have, <laughs> and then I have like shorter ribs because those are longer, like ankle length. And I have shorter ones that are more like thigh length. Mm-hmm. And I got one because my friend got married and she gave that as gifts to us. It has my name written on the back, which is kind of cool, but I don't know. I love a robe, I guess. You were prepared. <laughs> if the trade ever gets to your house, you're going to be like, hold on a second. I got to pick out a robe. No, train please i gotta pick out a robe the kid runs out and the conductor says all aboard and asks him if he's coming and the kid's like where are we going and he said the north pole of course this is the polar express and the conductor pulls him on board the picture looks really interesting it's a a big ass it almost looks like a freight train mm-hmm. like the front part and then of course they have the the cars in the back but there is no truck which is great and it kind of reminded me of the Hogwarts Express. I know you're not a Harry Potter person, but uh, I was like, dude, is this where she got it from? Like, you know, about there being a train that takes you somewhere. And I'm like, well, all trains take people somewhere. So maybe that's not exactly the connection I'm looking for. Right. <laughs> but the train is filled with children and they're all in their pajamas. And they started singing Christmas carols and eating candy and having rich hot chocolate. And they could see out the window all these towns and villages as the Polar Express is racing to the North Pole. And I like the illustrations because the seats look very comfortable. They're almost like this red velvet, which we know I love, seats. And these like guys in these chef outfits with the chef hats. All the kids look like they're having a great time. Mm -hmm. And soon they were traveling through dark forests and they saw wolves and rabbits as they're, you know, thundering through the quiet wilderness. And I love this picture of the wolves. Uh, Very detailed, very beautiful. And soon they're climbing into mountains. And 
I love that he writes, it seemed as if we would scrape the moon, but, you know, the Polar Express didn't slow down, even though they were on this, you know, tenuous terrain. It was chugging along. And soon the mountains turned to hills and they became, or they came to the great polar ice cap and they could see lights in the distance. And the conductor said, there is the North Pole. And the North Pole is imagined as like these little pinkish buildings almost i guess they're made out of brick that's maybe why they're pinkish and he describes it as a huge city standing alone at the top of the world and filled with factories where every christmas toy was made and at first they didn't see any elves but the conductor says oh they're gathering um at the center of the city and that's where santa will give the first gift of christmas and they wanted all the children wanted to know who gets the first one which is, I think, such a children thing to do. Like, who goes first? Yeah. And the conductor says, Santa will pick one of you. And soon the children see all of the elves, and there were hundreds of them. Once the Polar Express could go no further because the streets were so full, all the children got off the train. And there stood Santa with his sleigh. The reindeer were excited. They were prancing, and there were silver bells that were hanging from their harnesses. And it was a very magical sound. And when Santa appeared, all the elves cheered wildly. I'm trying to think of like what would be an equivalent. And I would feel like it's when the Eagles won the Super Bowl. The team was on a, like a float and they stepped out into the city and everyone went wild. And I, that's what I visualize this as. Except everyone is wearing red and not green. Which, you know, green is a Christmas color too. Right. You can mix in elves and red in, in the mix. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Santa walks over and picks the narrator as the one to get the first present. He sat on Santa's knee and Santa asked him, you know, what do you want for Christmas? And the kid knew he could have anything he wanted, but what he wanted more than anything was one silver bell from Santa's sleigh. An elf cut off the bell off the harness and tossed it to Santa. And he holds it high up above and says, the first gift of Christmas. What would you ask for if Santa picked you i'd ask for i think uh if it was today i'd ask for my loans to be done that's what i would ask for <laughs> my student loan. Right. uh i don't know what i would ask for mm-hmm. but okay. honestly that's that's kind of a that's kind of a, i changed my answer it's so too practical like, uh, you gotta pick this kid pick something right. so like because I am in um, loan forgiveness, so I don't have to worry about that. I, I'm this. I'm the same way. I'm like, no, should I do that? I'm like, no, no, no. In this imaginary yeah. situation, I'm like, no, no, no. I only have a few years to go. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, what would I wish for? I honestly couldn't come up with anything because I feel like there's so many things. Do you have something? Off the top oh, of yes. Oh, oh, yes. No. I would like to have a very small farm where I have two horses, a couple goats, some chickens and a very nice garden, both vegetable, fruit, and flower. Ooh, nice. Yes. And um it's very cozy and there's a brook nearby. That's very and I can move all the plants that I have from my current house there without any problem. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I think cliche as this sounds that I would probably just want to have like good health. Give me good health till next Christmas. That would be great. Like, you know, like no, no, no. don't waste your don't put limitations on your wish. I'm gonna say if I have to redo my wish every year, but if it's just for I'll take it. Well, yeah, good health forever. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would like. So at midnight, the clock struck and the elves were celebrating still. Santa gives the kid the bell and he puts it in his bathroom pocket. 
Santa shouts out the reindeer names, cracks the whip, and the team charges forward into the air. And Santa circled once above and disappeared. Soon, all the kids were back on the Polar Express, and all the other kids wanted to see his bell. But when he reached into his pocket, the only thing he felt was a hole. I felt for this kid. Have you ever lost anything you really, really loved because of your own stupidity? I don't think so. Oh my God, the things I've lost. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very absent-minded person. I've definitely gotten better as I've gotten older. But I remember I once in like medical school, I lost my wallet. My oh. wallet I had put in a cigarette case that I got from Urban Outfitters, like a, a true hipster. And it was so cute. And it was heavy. Like it was a heavy thing. But I guess I must have gone to the bathroom or something. I left it there. But somebody found it, thank God. Uh, one of the other medical students and turned it in. So that was that was good. But that that is an example of it turning out right. There are things that have turned out wrong. I've lost a stethoscope before. No idea where it is. My very first stethoscope. Well, the the obvious stuff, coats, jackets, gloves, keys. you know, that kind of stuff. You ever lost keys and like not found them again? Fortunately, I've never been that bad. Probably because I've needed those keys again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm not that bad. Thank you, Joy, for letting me know. I'm not that bad. Oh, I once lost my Apple Watch after I got it because I couldn't figure out how to put it on my wrist. I was like, the technology. <laughs> so I was like mowing my lawn or something. And I was like, oh my God, where's my Apple Watch? Oh my gosh. There's a way you can track it on your on your iPhone, like where it is. And I'm sure my neighbors thought I was nuts because I was walking around in a circle in the front yard and then in the backyard because I couldn't exactly locate it. And then I found it. It had been sitting in the sun and it was just like temperature overlord or whatever it says whenever it gets too hot. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, I did find it, but I, it was the very same day I got it that I had lost it. So oh. <laughs> I don't even wear it anymore. I, mean, I can't be trusted with this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, there's a legendary story in our family about something, um, these golden anklets that I had gotten from India that I had wanted and my parents had bought for me. To this day, we have no idea where they are. They were gold. I mean, they were real gold. And my mom thinks what happened because she remembers my dad saw them in my room and I, and he was just like, she's not taking care of these because they were like out in the open or something. And he was going to like teach me a lesson. So he grabbed them, but then he didn't remember where he put them. Oh my gosh. So ultimately <laughs> it was him who learned the lesson maybe. Right. <laughs> my mom thinks he puts it, put it in a drawer of a desk that we eventually threw away. And I was <laughs> like, why wouldn't you check the drawers of the desk? people yeah I always have like a safe place for things Mm. and I usually now I have been guilty of like thinking that I lost something because like what sounded like a safe spot today may not sound like a safe spot like a week from now but it's always been in the safe spot but no I haven't lost anything of really a value one time I left my whole entire purse when I was like my late teens in a Walmart cart and like left the Walmart went back it was sitting right in the cart oh thank god it was still in the cart I always had a hard time keeping track of my purses. You can that was clearly before I had any like valuables. Yeah. <laughs> and my mom was like, she'd be like, you can't leave your purse, just hold on to it. And I was like, maybe I don't need a purse. Same. That was my whole vibe. I'm like, I don't need a purse and a backpack, mom. And she's like, where are you gonna put your pads? And I'm like, in my backpack. And she's like, You can't take your backpack into the bathroom. I'm like, yeah, you can. Like it was yeah. just like a whole back and forth about why you need a purse, which I always hated. But now as an adult and having keys and a phone that we carry everywhere, a purse is kind of like, oh yeah, I need a purse. Oh my God. Speaking of a good purse story. So when I was in medical school, 
we kind of lived at the edge of like the bad part of town it was kind of like right at the end so we went into pathmark remember pathmark it doesn't exist anymore so i actually i wasn't there i was at home but i my roommate went with our other roommate and she had like a big kind of tote bag with her and she set her bag down to grab some milk and she walked away from her bag to grab something else and by the time she came back her bag was gone she was rushing back and forth everywhere she and my other roommate were rushing back and forth everywhere trying to find this purse and they couldn't find it they talked to the security people they play the security camera and these two women had stolen it they grabbed the purse they went to the bathroom they emptied everything out of the purse put the bag in there but they grabbed like her money she had like a pencil case and stuff and they grabbed all of that stuff apparently they were in line watching my friend as she was like panicking and wondering where everything was so it turns out they took like a unofficial taxi to get there like some guy who did ride not through uber or anything and he was just like oh i can show you where they live and so he gave them the address and then my my friend and her dad went to the police and talked about it but apparently she didn't steal enough that they felt it was worthwhile oh my gosh awful i mean it's very violating to have your stuff taken from you yes and so she she and her dad were just curious to see where these people live. So drove to these people's house, like an utterly like destitute kind of place where they don't like they didn't have much. Mm-hmm. But she, of course, she was very pissed about it. Yeah. So now that I brought this Christmas story to a yeah. sad place. <laughs> it is nice, though, on that page, whenever they are, you know, the kid discovers that he has a hole in his pocket and all the kids feel so bad for him. Like, they're, like, patting his shoulder in the picture. He's, like, slumped over. One kid has his, like, hand over his mouth. Like, oh. And they w- the kids wanted to go out, like, hurry outside and look for it. But then the train started up and they started moving. And so they were on their way home. And he writes, it, it broke my heart to lose the bell. And he sadly left the other children. And the conductor said something while the train was moving, but he couldn't hear. And the conductor shouts, Merry Christmas. And the train moves off. It's kind of a good thing that all those kids didn't get off the train to look for that bell because they never would have found it. Because we find out in the end what happens with the bell. Christmas morning, his little sister Sarah and him are opening presents. Sarah finds one last small box under the tree. And inside was the silver bell. And there was a note, found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix that hole in your pocket. Signed, Mr. C. And he shook the bell and it made the most beautiful sound that both he and his sister heard. But his parents said, oh, it's broken. You know, they had not heard a sound from that bell. That's the part that I think I really liked. Same. Is just how the bell was was that way. You know what I mean? Like you could hear it, you know, if you really believed. Yeah. So the last page was, you know, at one time, most of my friends could hear the bell. But then as they got older, they stopped being able to hear it. And even Sarah found that one Christmas, she could no longer hear it. But though I've grown old, the bell still rings for me as it does for all who truly believe, which is wonderful. Yes. I was kind of like, why didn't that free Christmas ornament they gave me have a little bell on it? I'm like, it probably would have made it too expensive. I thought that's what you were going to say, that it had like a bell. I mean, obviously the people who are marketing this did not read the book. (laughs) They're like, oh, there's a train on the front. Let's make it a train ornament. Yeah, it's like you missed a big moment there with your marketing. I don't know. This year has felt very rushed, in my opinion, and I'm just baffled that we're almost at Christmas. 
I feel like this was a great story just to put you in a Christmas spirit. Listen to it. I found like a little quick audio version, which is funny. I didn't realize how short the book really was because I was like, is this right? It's less than eight minutes. <laughs> Part two. I was I, like, what? It's shorter than the How the Grinch Stole Christmas for sure. Yeah. So, and then I did find, uh, you know, like a PDF version so I could see the pretty pictures, but I just really enjoyed it. I felt like it was like perfect. I, I turned my my Christmas tree on and had the lights go in, you know, a little vibe. And then I was able to watch the movie today. And I just feel like that. I think that might be a yearly thing for me. So I have not seen the movie. It's on my list of things to do, mm-hmm. but perfect that you saw the movie. What did you think of it? Because I read the Wikipedia synopsis uh-huh. for this episode. Well, the funny part is, as I was watching it, I remembered, I don't know what year it was. I don't remember how old I was, but I was at some place in Pittsburgh and it was one of those like Carnegie Museum places because they had IMAX. And I remember seeing this in IMAX and I was with someone and I remember I was like, whatever, because I didn't know anything about Polar Express. I was like, fine. And so we saw the IMAX, but I remember like I didn't really pay good attention. Like I was just kind of there. But when I was watching it on my TV, um, literally I finished it like 20 minutes before we got on here. I was like, oh, I want to see it in IMAX again, because just the way it's filmed, you can see why it was a great choice for IMAX. But it's just a, it's a very visually, like, it's a beautiful movie. And, you know, of course the movie is longer. So I think that's why I was thinking the book should have been longer. Oh, yes. But, um, you know, Tom Hanks does a lot of the voices in the movie. The conductor. He's the the conductor, right? Yeah, he's the conductor. And there's another character where he's the voice. And then I feel like he's also the voice of Santa, too. Santa doesn't really look like him, just just a little. The conductor looks like him in, like, a cartoony form he has a thick mustache i was like oh so that's what tom hanks would look like with a mustache yeah but i just thought the movie was like so good well yeah and and specifically i guess some of the differences is that they they have to kind of add a storyline in this to make it a little longer right the the main character meets a girl and a boy and there's a boy named billy who's like super emo and like initially doesn't want to go and then gets on but he sits alone in the observation car there's this thing where the the girl misses like loses her ticket and they try to get her ticket back and they find out that you know the girl's but been put in charge of the train because something has happened with the headlights so the engineer and the fireman are working on that yeah it seemed like this train had a lot of problems it did <laughs> It had some suspenseful moments. It, you know, basically derailed at one point. Um, so there's a little suspense in there. And then there was quite the music and dance routine about the hot chocolate. I thought that was a really cute moment. Oh, so there's music in it. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's like a little song break and like all those like characters that you kind of saw, like with the chef uniforms on. And then there's uh, these men who have one like vests in black pants. Like they look like they're like very like, fine dining waiters and they're like doing all this like acrobatic dance and everything serving the hot chocolate and they're singing a song for that and then there's uh, another song Christmas Comes to Town which I literally just added to my Christmas because it's adorable I think it's called If You Just Believe um you know um oh my gosh Josh Groban that is the thing I always like think of when um I hear the Polar Express because he sang that song and it was like a big deal and I love that song outside of you know seeing the movie and reading the book 
but that's like a really one of my favorite like Christmassy songs too but that's more towards the end it's like as the credits are like as it's starting and at the end but yeah there's some really good cute little songs in it it's a little bit different it it reads like anyway and you can maybe confirm that a bell flies loose from Santa's reindeer's reins he initially can't the boy can't hear it ring until he finds it within himself to believe he returns the bell to santa and santa gives him the bell Mm -hmm. and then the kid discovers that you know he's had a hole in his pocket when he's on the train and that ending is the same yeah because he was kind of on the fence about whether he believed or not and then you know like he almost wasn't going to get on the train at all and then he did get on the train And same with Billy, the boy who was by himself on the train. Like, he was turned around and was not going to get on the train. But then there was, like, a little bit of a commotion, and he did get on the train. And I thought it was really, like, almost kind of heartbreaking because he he had said multiple times when they were going through all these, like, interesting things that were happening on the train and when they got to the North Pole and, like, getting the gifts and stuff. And he just kept saying, Christmas just never works out for me. And And he just said it again. He's like, Christmas just never works out for me. I'm like, oh, Billy. I just want to buy you a gift. Like, I just thought the characters were so sweet. Like, the narrator, he was basically, like you said, the the bell flew off of the reindeer. And after all the things he experienced and that he saw, when that happened, he knew about, like, you know, because what happened is the reindeer were kind of dressed with the bells and everybody's cheering, all the elves, all the kids, everybody's having this big commotion and he was like holding his ear and he's like, I can't hear anything. Uh, and like a ton of bells all over the reindeer. They were draped on either side. And so when that one flew off, he was in the little girl. There's a main character. Um, one of the little girls and Billy were kind of in the narrator, like the three like main characters. And she could hear the bell that led her, led them to the North Pole because they got a little sidetracked in the little train antics. And she could hear it. And he was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. And so I thought that was really like, that was like a little powerful moment too, because everybody's like cheering and celebrating and he hears nothing. And then when he picked it up and he shook it and it was silent and he just said, I do believe, I do believe. And then he shook the bell at his ear and now you could hear this. It was a beautiful chiming sound coming from the bell. But then when Santa got to pick who got the first gift, he picked him. And he whispered in Santa's ear and he told him that he wanted the bell. And I was like, oh, it's just such a sweet movie. It really was. Yeah, I mean, there were some other famous voices in there. You're right that Tom Hanks played the conductor and Santa Claus. Uh, he had a couple other voices as well. He played the father um, and the Ebenezer Scrooge puppet, which shout out. But the the kid, uh, Josh Hutcherson, who plays Peta. Uh, in the Hunger Games movies, was the voice of the kid, the boy kid. Oh. Yeah. Michael Jeter was Smokey and Steamer, but it was, this movie was dedicated to his memory because he died uh, the year before the film's release. So pretty cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the author, Chris Van Alsberg, because he was like, I guess, a producer on the movie. He didn't actually adapt it to film. Uh, Somebody else did that, but he was a producer on it. And believe it or not, he wrote Jumanji as well, that won the Caldecott Medal and also was a very famous movie with Robin Williams. I could see that just because the way, now granted, those are two different like films. I'm thinking of like the Jumanji, you know, the movie, just the creativity of how 
um, the Polar Express was filled. Like I could see that. That's so interesting and very different. Very good. Very good. I mean, I remember our teacher reading Jumanji or sorry, our librarian reading Jumanji to us as well. And the pictures were very vivid. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think the story was as detailed as Jumanji, the movie, like it was a different storyline ish, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't as long, but still what an excellent movie. And if I met Chris Van Ellsberg, I'd be like, yo, did you meet Robin Williams? Did you get to meet him? What was he like? You know? Yeah. Wow, um, amazing. What people are just so creative. Like- I know. Right. So um, he is actually born in to a Dutch family, which is why he has this fancy Van Ellsberg name. He grew up in Michigan. He has an older sister, Karen, who is who the Polar Express is dedicated to. I love reading the dedication pages. This this one just says to Karen, but that's his sister. And he went to school for art. He majored in sculpture, bronze casting, wood carving, resin molds. So I wonder if that's why some of his art is so 3D. You know, like even in the pictures, it looks very dimensional. Yeah, some of the pictures in the book, um, like of the the houses and things, they almost very slightly reminded me of the Thomas Kincaid. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like kind of like, they weren't as bright, you know, like that use of light. Uh-huh. But they were just very like, I feel like I could take one of those pictures and I would hang them on my wall. You know, I like my, I was an art club in high school, okay? Not because I was a fantastic artist. I just loved, like I got joy out of, you know, sitting and putting things together or whatever. But I had a lot of like talented friends who were artists. So anyway, we went to art club and um, the teacher there would just rail about Thomas Kincaid because Thomas Kincaid is a very talented or was he's dead now. Thomas Kincaid was a very talented artist, but he like sold his shit on everything. Where you everything. Could, like everything and like every little grandma or like middle-aged lady was just like oh look at this thomas kincaid you know salt and pepper shaker i need this you know like you could find thomas kincaid's work on everything now granted that probably made him a millionaire but it was kind of you know like oh you you're such a talented artist why did you oh she pulls one out <laughs> amazing i have one too <laughs> My mom's Thomas Kincaid. I was like, I have I have a puzzle that I got as a present of a Thomas Kincaid of like a gazebo, and I put yeah. it together, and my mom framed it. <laughs> but um, no, what's really funny, and you're gonna laugh about this because you like this too. I found on Facebook Marketplace a lady selling Thomas Kincaid lighthouses, like little models of them, and I was like, mm, let me get one of them. Stop. Yep. So I, I, have a bunch I wouldn't of- buy one. I can't say I wouldn't buy one. I know. And they're so like intricate and they have like, like a little American flag pole in the front. And some of them have like little gardens attached. I was like, I hate myself a little bit, but I'm really into this, you know? But you're right. I mean, Thomas Kincaid stuff was on like mugs and sweatshirts. And my mom used to get those catalogs, you know, like where you just buy all this random stuff in the catalog. And I swear, like they would just like stamp it on everything. Like, Mm. But I, I always liked it. And this one actually does light up. So like it has batteries in the painting. And then like the little house lights flicker. Uh, the, you know, well, yeah, it's and it, it's almost like he has this fantastical viewpoint kind of in his pictures. They're all so beautiful. There's nothing like dark about them. And they, they're very wholesome. Yeah. Um, he did do a, like a bunch of pictures of Disney scenes and I had a calendar of a Thomas Kincaid 
uh, Disney stuff. So I, I saved the picture from The Lion King because that's my favorite movie. But he had one for like Tiana um, for The Princess and the Frog and a bunch of them. And they were really beautiful. But um, you could, if you like take a step back, you're kind of like, well, this is very commercial. You know, this is very cliche almost at a point where you see it everywhere. Right. Which is kind of sad. I mean, granted, it made him rich. Mm-hmm. And he actually had a scandalous life. I looked into it. He like <laughs> he like marketed himself as a super Christian, but he had a wife and a lover. And he died young because of his drinking, I think. So oh. yeah, yep. But he always kind of portrayed himself as super religious, you know. So I don't know why I know that, but I do. I was just I guess I was kind of curious about like, oh, how did this guy like learn what he did? Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, after our Kincaid tangent. <laughs> um he he actually you know got into children's writing because of his wife lisa so he was struggling with his sculpture studio which was what he was trying to make a living at and he started sketching and his wife lisa's a teacher and um she showed his pictures to an editor and he he was contracted to write this book called the garden of abdul ghazazi in 1979 so that was his first book and then he wrote uh, Jumanji in 1981 and won the Caldecott for that and then the Polar Express he wrote in 1985 and won um, the Caldecott for that in 1986 and I actually um, found his acceptance speech with, for, for the Caldecott and I'd like to imagine that like there's a room full of like a hundred people super excited about this one book and everyone is dressed up and the food is great <laughs> and um, people are getting like quietly tipsy not like full-on drunk but just like buzzed maybe and um they're all like happy for chris van alsberg winning his uh his polar express caldecott but um i really love reading speeches because i don't know like they're really well thought of right like the person who's writing them has to think like oh i have to like say this out loud (laughs) so let's make it good um and he talks about how he came up with the idea for the polar express And he actually started with a single image in his mind. He sees a young boy seeing a train in front of his house. And, um, you know, the, the, the author, or sorry, Chris Van Alsberg wasn't sure where this train was going. And then he decided, oh, wouldn't it be great if we went north to the North Pole? And he also had the image of like, a boy in a misty forest watching a train go by. So like he, it sounds like he started with the pictures first before he made the story, which is so interesting. Yeah. And that makes sense in being an an artist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And he says that he has a similar premise where he loves the idea of like fantastic propositions is what he calls it, like Santa Claus or the tooth fairy. He describes illustrating as something that he's already experienced in his eye. He sees the story unfold as it were a film is what he says. It really seems like he's his his picture first and then writes the story after. And it kind of reminded me in school, in like elementary school, there was this book of just random pictures, like really interesting, weird pictures. And our teacher would be like, all right, write a story just based on this picture. Mm -hmm. It was so cool. Did you ever see that book? No. I forget what it was called, but like, it would be a very weird picture, like, or even a very normal picture, like a guy at a gas station pretending to fill up the tank on like one of those red and yellow little toy cars. Mm -hmm. 
and with a little kid there and you had to come up with a story about it. Was yeah, that- I when I took uh, creative writing in college, I remember a couple times our teacher, I wish I could remember her name because she was fantastic. And she would just have us go outside and she'd take us to like a certain part of the campus. And she might say, like, I have a short story. It's about um, these leaves and a, a tree. And she'd be like, okay, here's a tree. Now write something about it. And we would just have class out there and we would just write for as long as we had. We go over them in like in the next class. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, I haven't been writing. I love that concept of thinking of just like a thing first, because I I like to just always like journal, write short stories, whatever kind of things. But I love that concept of like seeing a thing, then writing about it, not having the idea and then getting the picture. I probably would not do that because I'm not a very creative artsy person. So the words would come first for me. And I would hope that I could see the picture in my head when I was done with it, you know. Right. And I think that most children's authors are actually authors first and they get someone else to illustrate it. Yeah. Like, I think that's more typical. Mm-hmm. So that's, again, that's why it's so neat that he wrote and illustrated his. Um, but it's also interesting in his speech which I just realized is he talks about going to the library (laughs) in third grade. He went to the library for the first time as a class. And um, he, his first book he checked out was about Babe Ruth. He just kept going back and back to return books. So it's just a beautiful way to tie up our episode because we were talking about libraries in the beginning. And now I want to go get Jumanji because I haven't read that. I saw the movie. I think there were a few movies. I only saw the first. That was the best one. The Robin Williams one. I haven't seen the other ones. The one with like Kevin Hart and like um, Mm -hmm. The Rock. I was like, why did we need to improve on perfection? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, maybe someday I'll see them. But I absolutely agree. I I thought the first one was that was all we needed. But it looks like the book's only 32 pages. So there you go. I can. We should do like a a whole series of like how to pop up or something. Or maybe not, because there's a lot of pictures. Maybe we can't relay the pictures as well. But um, <laughs> what's the other one? It was Caldecott and what was the other one? Newberry? Newberry, yes. Newberry. We, actually, we have covered a lot of Newberry books on here. You know why? Because a lot of Newberry books are banned books, too. That makes sense. There's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, but this was a great selection. And it definitely um, has me in the Christmassy mood. I definitely think the podcast has helped me get into more of a Christmas spirit this year, just from having to having to read these Christmas books. Uh, no, I didn't put lights on outside. No, I haven't plugged in my Christmas tree yet. But like, just in a more cheerful and, you know, like, excited spirit. And I think it's because they are books for younger people. Mm-hmm. Because I do, <laughs> I do read Christmas books, but it's like, oh, it's a Christmas thriller or, you know, like a cozy <laughs> mystery. And, and so Santa like, was, um, yeah, someone get a Christmas tree. And Santa was the murderer all along. Yes, yes. In fact, there's one I just took a screenshot of today that I'm, I heard it's a short book. I didn't, I don't remember the title, but it is something along those lines. There's like a Christmas party and someone's found dead. You got to figure it out. So it was nice to be like, okay, let's read just some good, wholesome Christmas stories. They're the biggest problem you have is a hole in your pocket that made you lose the bell that Santa gave you, you know? But, and I'm super excited for the next one. Yes, next time we will be reading or discussing the Christmas story, which I did not even know was a book. You brought that to my attention. I had only seen the movie several, several, several times because it is one of my favorites. So Mm -hmm. it'll be a great one to discuss. Yeah, I'm super excited. 
And then we'll be done. I guess we'll have to sprinkle in some more Christmas stories just on our own, you know? All right, guys. Well, we will catch up with you next week. Bye. Bye. Please join us again for our next episode where we dive into another book from our past. Make sure you're following us on social media where we list upcoming books as well as behind the scenes, fun facts, and trivia for each episode. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at BookingBackPod. Until next time, don't be afraid to book back.